Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 479 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we'll be finding out all about the latest in the Little Miss and Mr. Men series, including a tour around the country, which takes Nottingham closest to us in the Midlands, whereby you can get some free books and some free vitamin pills too. That's coming alongside their friends at Hallib Orange. We will be hearing from Eddie Johnson all about his latest work. And this is, this is quite an epic one, because not only are we talking about what he does out during the day, repairing domestic appliances. We'll be talking about Reactions Goalkeeper Coaching and also finding out about a book he's written, which is something of a surprise to me because I had no idea he was writing it. That's coming up on the show. And we'll be finding out about a gig from Rob Halligan. He's going to be performing in Sedgley at the Beacon Centre at the end of September. So we'll be looking forward to finding out all about that and taking a listen to some of his tunes throughout the show. But first of all... Mel Massey is an interior designer and stylist and knows a thing or two all about the wonderful world of your home, with 44% of Brits viewing the TV as the focal point in their lounge. Let's find out how we can make the most of that. Mel, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And uh, this is all part of uh, a bit of a survey which uh, has has really talked about the way the living room has transformed over the years. Yes, it's um, Samsung have been doing the survey and... um we found that 44% of people think of the TV as their focal point, which it would have been, you know, years ago before the TV, probably a fireplace. So it's really interesting as the TVs have got larger and larger, it's, it's becoming the main point of interest. Yeah, because, I mean, London's burning would be the only thing you could watch in a fireplace. So, uh, <laughs> and that's probably only repeats now. So it is good to have the full colour, full HD option of a Samsung telly, particularly with all the other clever stuff that they do, because it really becomes a, more of a hub around the home as well as something just to, to look at and, and, and passively take part in. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, from a technology point of view, it's really, it's very impressive. You know, it's got a very thin uh, frame around it now, and the QLED is it has an ambient mode, which basically blends into your background. So whatever wall coverings you have or wallpaper or paint, it just blends in and just through this tiny thin, you know, um, silver frame. So it can be the focal point when you want it to be the focal point, but when you don't, it just disappears. And that's somewhat different to the big boxes that were there in the 50s and 60s when TV was first made its way into people's homes. Yeah, because not only were they enormous, they were also really deep as well. So they were, you know, very, very ugly. These are sort of sleek. And also the thing of, you know, people putting TVs on the walls, the the worry was always, what am I going to do with all these ugly wires? And now technology has moved forward so much that it is, um, you know, you can get these near invisible wires. You can get mounts that are really, really easy to put up. You don't have to worry about getting it straight. It sort of does it for you. Um, and things like that just make, are making life much easier. Yeah, because I mean, 67% of people are still using a TV mount and a sideboard. Now, white it might be great to have somewhere to store the remote controls, it's not brilliant when it comes to the look of your living room. And as an interior designer, if you've got something that blends in, you can really work around that and make the most of a front room. Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, the, um, the frame TV that Samsung does put art on your wall so you can choose a, you know a real expression of you and I love the thought of putting you know an eclectic mix of art around the TV in art mode 
Um, and then wondering, actually, when people come into the lounge, what is, which is the art and which is the, where is the telly? Do these <laughs> people have a telly? And then it pings into life. <laughs> but only when you want to see it. And then it'll probably have uh, DIY SOS on it and you remodelling somebody else's front room as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It was, uh, yes, a few different projects. Um, and, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful programme, you know, real heartwarming community spirit at its best. Absolutely, and it's it's nice to be able to to treat the family uh, to you know, to a good TV to be able to to watch this sort of stuff and and enjoy it in the comfort of the uh, the living room. And it is it's about family time. However, many people are sat down with a Galaxy Tab as well as the telly going on there. It, they they still are going to be uh, together and and enjoying it. And it is about making that environment the best it can be for the whole family. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's a real bonding. They can really bond over your programmes that you watch together. You know, good snuggles on a Sunday evening. Perfect. Snuggles, mean... sweets. You know. <laughs> You're setting a nice picture here. I'm liking this one. <laughs> so, obviously, the tellies are a massive part of our lives these days, I'm saying, particularly with the extra smart stuff you can do on there, whether you're watching Netflix or anything else. It is all built into your TV these days. No need for an extra computer. Don't always have to have the tablet. And they're just like a, a big, massive tablet on the wall sharing you know, info and, and, and footage with the family. Yes, absolutely. And just... and. And just not being a big black empty box taking up wall space, valuable wall space, you know, where you could have, you know, prints or, you know, art or objects or, and now you can. And that makes, a, from my perspective, as you know, from an interior design perspective, it makes a huge difference because we just don't have enough space on our, in, you know, none of us have enough space, whether we're talking about floor space or wall space to just waste on empty blackness yeah it's a, a case of optimizing everything you've got taking away the cabinet pop it on the wall and pop it into uh, an artistic environment too sounds absolutely fab where can we find out more about this survey and maybe get a few design tips too by looking at these great screens you can find it at samsung.com forward slash uk and there is a wealth of information there mel massey interior designer and of course star of uh, the bbc's dosos when it comes to putting all of those designs together thank you for joining us Thank you for having me. In a moment time, we'll hear from Rob Halligan. But before we do, let's take a listen to one of his tunes. This is Wild Horses. I write this song from miles away in the place that I call home. With friends and family here with me, I have no reason more to roam. But I can hear the echoes of the places that I've been. If I close my eyes, I can see again I can see the wild horses as they break against the wall Scatter pearls into the sky so I can watch them fall Taste the freedom on my lips and breathe the wild perfume And I close my eyes and I can see the blue I have traveled it may not have been laid well but there's things I've learned along the way and as far as I can tell the treasures that I've found here are worth every mile I've come and with every mile it draws me nearer home I can see the wild horses as they break against the wall 
scatter pearls into the sky so I can watch them fall. Taste the freedom on my lips and breathe the wild perfume. I close my eyes and I can see the blue. On Friday the 28th of September at 7.30 at the Beacon Centre in Sedgley, a brilliant evening, the Wild Horses Tour. Rob Halligan is going to be down there. Not only can you get the music, there's also Fish and Chips Supper if you book your tickets now for 10 quid. To tell us more about what we can expect musically on the night, I don't think his culinary expertise is going to be called upon. I'm joined now by Rob Halligan on the phone. Hello, sir. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good here, and uh, you're keeping rather busy just at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm keeping, I'm keeping my hand in. It's, uh, it's a busy time of year for me, so it's, it's, it's all good though. Yeah, festival season tours, and I know this is a rearranged date uh, from earlier on in the year when, uh, unfortunately, yeah, you couldn't go ahead due to some flooding in uh, one venue we're due to be playing at. But the Beacon Centre is going to be a brilliant home for the music. So tell us about your sound. Um, well, I, I don't know. People quite often ask me about sort of, oh, you know, what kind of music do you play? I mean, uh, I, I like. Uh, I think. I, I think uh, Paul Gambaccini described it as uh, Billy Bragg having English tea with Bruce Springsteen. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that fits the bill, but uh, it's it's yeah, a picturesque language. I like it anyway. So yeah, I know. It's, Paints a nice picture, that doesn't it? <laughs> it does rather. Now, how long have you been performing? Uh, because there's there's quite a lot of a uh, back catalogue out there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, oh goodness me, how long have I been performing? Um, well, I, I was performing as a kid, so I was in a school band. Um, we were in a, in a punk band called the Freak Brothers, um, and then 
I don't know. I, I guess uh, I guess sort of took it on in a little bit more of a serious sort of role when I, you know when I left school, but uh, still kind of a bit of a hobby. And then um, in 2001, decided to sort of take the plunge and do it as a proper job, and uh, and that's what I did. Now this came off the back of terribly terribly sad situation for your family, uh, with your father passing away during the 9/11 attacks. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. And it was a, it, it was one of those, um, you know, apart from everything else you go through, it was one of those kind of sit back and uh, think, OK, what do I want to do with my life? I've got, you know, um, do I wanna, uh, how do I want to sort of do, do I want to sit behind a desk for the rest of my life or have I got something to say and do I want to make a difference? And there was all that kind of thing going on. And uh, I thought, actually, I really want to make a difference. And the only way the only thing I think I'm any good at is music. And so I decided that I would go into doing music full time and uh, really try and use it to make a bit of a difference in people's lives, you know. So something powerful and good to come out of an absolutely awful situation. And yeah. through the music that you've written uh, since this time and all the, the work that you've done, even just putting a smile on somebody's face is, is a start to making a difference, let alone taking it to the next level with a message. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I work, I work quite a lot with a local charity that works with kids and uh, global care, and they 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 have a brilliant phrase, you know, that if you, uh, you know, you change the world one life at a time, and uh, and I think that's what it is. That's what it's all about. But yeah, I mean, you do like to tell stories through music as well, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, not, I mean, my latest album is called "We All Write the Songs," and I, and I believe that actually, you know, all of us have a have a song in us, um, whether we we're going to be the ones to sing it or somebody else is going to be the one to sing it, you know. Um, but uh, all my songs, uh, you know, I think like a lot of songwriters actually, uh, you know, I think are based on just the people that you meet and and uh, and the and the situations that you find yourself in, and it's it's a Every time I talk to somebody, or every time I sort of get to know someone, I'm, you know, you, you back of your brain is this kind of—is there a song there, you know, in, in that person's life? And have you maybe been tempted to collaborate with somebody to tell their story through one of your songs, or is that have you purely been you picking up the seeds and then allowing it to flourish on its own? Um, I, I don't know if I've ever sort of sat down with somebody and talked to them about writing a song about their lives, but uh, certainly, you know. Like I say, you know, there's people that I know that um, have got their song and they know that that's their song, you know. Um, I mean, musically, I've sort of co collaborated with different people on different projects, so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, but, I mean, think. and some big names you collaborated with as well, so, you know, there's, there's, there's people out there and some must stand out as some of your favourite collaborations. Um, well, I've worked with Adrian Plass, um, who's an author. Uh, I've worked with... Uh, uh, I've worked with After the Fire. Um, After the Fire were a band uh, that were, had they had a uh, number five, number uh, top ten hit in America. Um, so not so well known over here, but known over in America quite a lot. And uh, I've, I've worked with them a lot. Um, yeah, I've worked with Graham Duffin from Wet Wet Wet. I worked with him quite a lot. He's a good friend of ours. And uh, um, Ricky Ross, Deacon Blue, people like that. So. What's you know, is the 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 natural next step for you? I mean, obviously this this music is doing great things. You've got this gig coming up uh, locally, a chance for people to hear you know, t top quality work from uh, a, a brilliant singer songwriter. I, I'll say that bit so you don't have to. Uh -huh. But you know, it's is it the 
fame and notoriety. Uh, notoriety may not be the best words for that one, but is it fame, fame are you looking for, or is it uh, something else? Is it just to, to know that you have touched those lives? You know, it's interesting because when I first started out, it was all about trying to get the record deal, you know, mm -hmm. and you'd send things off and you'd try and get your deal. And uh, and I've been doing this for long enough now. You know, I've 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 played some amazing venues and some big some big festivals on the main stage, and I've worked with some incredible people and. Uh, you know, had the opportunities to do all sorts of things that would have been a bit of a dream. And you, you kind of go into these things and think, oh, if I play this place or if I play, I remember walking into the, um, into the the big radio studio broadcasting house in London, a BBC's place, thinking of all the people that I played there, you know, and Elton John's piano and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to play this live session on the BBC. And you think that's going to make it, that's going to make it. And they don't. And they're all just little milestones on the journey. And uh, and I, I, I've worked with so many people that have made it and it really hasn't made them. And they've come away thinking, oh, it's perhaps not all it's cracked up to be, you know. Yeah, money is so, one thing and it's it's, it's life that's, that's slightly separate to that, isn't it? One, one can't work without the other, but... Absolutely, absolutely. And and I love what I do and, and I'm, you know, if it, if it gets bigger, that's great, but... Mm -hmm. You know, if it if it if it trundles on how it is, and I'm meeting people, touching people's lives, and seeing the difference it makes in people's lives, you know, that's the that's the that's the main thing for me. Um, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. And uh, I'm busy and always looking for more work, but I'm always busy. <laughs> so um, so yeah, it's it's great. And you know, I've got different projects as well that I'm working on. I'm working on a. A project uh, exploring the Psalms. I'm I'm looking at uh, product, uh, a project about um, trade justice as well. So, yeah, all all interesting stuff like that. Yeah, and that's the thing with the Psalms. We know they're songs, but no one actually gave us the tune, did they? So it's something that does need a bit of work. That's right. That's right. And I'm yeah, I'm 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 kind of rooting around for the honesty in them as well. You mm -hmm. know, sort of not just picking out the nice bits, but sort of trying to sort of get really into the heart of. Uh, I think I think one of the things that I find actually is 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 particularly on the you know on tour and on stage is when when it's when you're honest it's when there's it's the, it's those kind of moments that people really connect with and say yeah yeah that's me that's that's where I'm at. Well, hopefully touching lives across the area. Certainly, fingers crossed, uh, some great emotion to come out of the gig on Friday, the 28th of September, half past seven. Beacon Centre in Sedgley, WV46AZ. Tickets for that one can be got online at festivalchoir.co.uk. £10, including fish and chips. Or you can also give them a buzz on 07842 But before they turn up, they can find out more about you and your music. Where can they do that? They can do that on my website, which is robhalligan.co.uk. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, downloads and all sorts of stuff on there, so do go and have a look. Halligan, H-A-L-L-I-G-A-N, at our Halligan on Twitter, Halligan Music on Facebook. Go along, check it out, and listen to this man. Rob, good talking to you. Thank you for sharing just a smidgen of your story now. We look forward to hearing more of it in the years to come and uh, some uh, more of the highlights uh, for you along the way too, I trust. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Thank you for having me.
lots of good things to say And we took our bikes to the places we shouldn't have played We were young and invincible, you couldn't tell us that day We listened to Joe Cool and said three chords was all that we needed to know So I stood up tall and took three chords with me on the road Yeah, they done me well and they've kept me from being alone And we
research shows that love is in the air, literally, with four passengers on a typical flight having met the love of their lives, whilst actually airborne. To tell us more, I have somebody who's basically a bit of a love expert, Celebs Go Dating's relationship expert, Lady Nadia Essex. Hello. Hello. So uh, you know a thing or two about love, uh, and uh, there's, there's things going on all up in the air. Yeah, well, it's official. Love is in the air, and I couldn't be happier, I tell you. <laughs> um, it's amazing. So HSBC have commissioned this huge study all about what happens in the sort of country in the sky, and they've named it Flyland. <laughs> and in Flyland, as you said, four passengers on a typical flight have met uh, the loves of their lives on a flight and one in seven people have made a lasting friendship or sort of connection or business relationship on a flight as well. So this this all starts possibly with the cabin crew being you know a little bit of all right and you fancying one of them and then fancying you back or it could even be the person you're sat next to you maybe want to sh- share that really difficult to get into dessert with. Yeah absolutely and I feel like you know it, it's when you're flying, you know, you are, you're in, hopefully you're in holiday mode and you feel good about yourself and you're the best version that you could possibly be at that time. And I, you know, I like a little tipple on a flight, especially if it's long haul. Um, I, I, my drink of choice is G&T, which is actually the same as everyone in Flyland because three million G&Ts are served every day, which is <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm very British about it. I like to sort of t- talk to the person next to me and, you know, hello, how are you? Where are you off to? What are you doing? Have you been before? And all the sort of, you know, fabulous etiquette on the plane. And hopefully if they're a hottie, it can turn into chemistry above the clouds. Yeah, and you could be sitting there watching the same action movie as that's the most popular genre of film up there in the skies. And uh, uh, anything can happen there. I have to admit, I, I've actually collected in my time over 350,000 air miles. And Whoa. at no point during that significant amount of flying did anybody try and get off with me. What does, what does this say about me? Should I be worried? You definitely shouldn't be worried. You just need to be more aware. <laughs> you know, that you're obviously not, you're, you're in your zone. You've probably got your head in a book or you're not focused. You know, next time, get on a, get on a flight have a nice drink or a cup of tea and just strike up conversation with the person next to you. It could change your life. You could end up down the altar before you know it. <laughs> so th- this is actually happening though. And uh, do the pilots then get invited to the wedding? Do you think this should be a tradition? Well, that would be quite fun. But I mean, you don't really get to see the pilot very much, to be fair. So it would be, yeah, you could have sort of the cabin crew. but I mean, Maybe as a guard of honour, that'd be good, wouldn't it? That would be great. And, you know, maybe the, the certain airline, maybe those could be your wedding colours. That would work. You know, you, yeah. So, you know, it's a whole thing. I mean, you could. Uh, I feel like we should do, like, speed dating in the sky. Well, it'd also you cut know? the price of the food at receptions if it all sort of turned up semi-warm on little plastic trays. Exactly. You know, a few little sandwiches and a, and a couple of barrels of G&T and you're good to go. Yeah, it's the G&T that's important in your case, isn't it? But there we are. Always. So, I mean, what else did we learn from this survey? Because uh, there's, it's, it's interesting the way in which people do interact when they're on a plane. Yeah, I mean, sort of, it's, it's a lot of people travel alone. So 11.9 million people fly each day, which is the equivalent to the population of Cuba. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, in itself is just huge. Um, over a third of passengers travel alone, which again, you know, is interesting because when you're on your own, you, you can be who you want to be, as it were, and, and without any judgment. 
Um, and, and one in six passengers say that traveling makes them feel more confident, uh, which is interesting because you've put yourself in a sort of life and death situation by sitting in a metal tin to go, you know, 37,000 feet in the air. So the fact that you feel more confident is, is a new one for me. Um, but apparently people do. Well, it's an amazing survey, and I am still in shock at the number of people who are getting it on uh, after they've met in in the in the skies. Yeah, and it's you know actual marriages. I tell you, it's better statistics than any dating app in the UK. You know, well, you go in, next time you go on a plane, you could meet the man or woman you're going to marry. So look out, it could be somebody out there for you. I, I, yeah. I, I'm loving the survey. Uh, <laughs> I know that more of this information is online. HSBC are sharing that, are they? Yeah, hsbc.com, everything's on there. Yeah, hsbc.com or .co.uk, and you can nip along, check out the survey, and you can find out what's going on in Flyland. So uh, next time you're with a group of celebs who need a, a bit of love advice, are you going to suggest they just get on a plane? Uh, literally, it's it's genius. I'm going to trademark it. I'm going to make it happen. You're going to see, you know, Nadia's up, up in the air speed dating in, you know, six to 12 months. But you, but you can only move around when the seatbelt sign isn't on. Exactly. I think That'd be, that would be fun. That's the way to do it. You control it through the seatbelt sign. I think, can I join you on this, this business scheme? I think we could make money together here. Yeah, there's, listen, Dragon's Den, here we come. There's a gap in the market. Lady Nadia Essex, thank you for joining <laughs> us. Uh, we shall talk off air about the possibilities of turning this into a money-spinning venture. Meanwhile, hsbc.co.uk to find out more about the survey. But thanks again. Thank you. I will build for you a road Lay the tire and break the stone I'll dig the dirt up golden brown Until the road has been laid down But I can't make you walk No, I can't make you walk I will lay for you a path through the woods to greener grass Across the moorland and the down And take you on to higher ground But I can't make you, I can't make you walk I can't make you, I can't make you It's up to you I'll make a stair for you to climb Close to heaven's highest heights Far above the darkest clouds And the storms of life itself But I can't make you, I can't make you walk No, I can't make you, I can't make you walk
So, Eddie Johnson here with me in the studio, and it's, it's, it's guessing which bit to talk about first. I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll cover off uh, what's going in, in in your domestic world, in fact, the domestic appliance repair world and the uh, goalkeeper coaching, and we'll come to the book in a short while's time. Uh, but, I mean, you've, uh, you're very busy. I mean, the, the, the day job, uh, effectively, uh, that nearly took a turn for the worst. Uh, when uh, Gould's shops disappeared, you've been working for them for a number of years uh, doing domestic appliance repairs. Yes, for 15, 20 years I've been doing the backup to Gould's customers when they've bought something from Gould's and it goes out of warranty. I was there to do the repairs if it was necessary and if it wasn't worth repairing I could refer them back to Gould's but they have unfortunately closed their doors. Yep, but this doesn't mean that uh, these appliances have gone away. They're still there and need TLC and you're the man who can do that. So you've been carrying on that and the title is uh, Washer Wise. I like that, that's good. Uh, so you've, you, you're out there doing that still and you've actually picked up their the phone number so people still ring the same number when they want these appliances servicing absolutely yeah I've uh, took on the Gould's phone number and uh, anybody ringing the Gould's number is if they were going to make an inquiry to Gould's will come direct to me on my mobile so 24 hours a day pretty much if they ring me they'll get me because if your washing machine breaks down at one in the morning, you want somebody to do something about it there and then. Obviously, um, I would prefer them to wait until the following morning. But okay, yes. we'll see how the urgency goes. You've got, <laughs> you've got a, you know, a load of nappies in there or something like that, so it, that is, it might need sorted. But I mean, that in itself, it must be quite a challenge. And you're yeah, obviously working with other partners as well to continue to provide this sort of service, and that's good. In this is what is very much a disposable age. Something breaks down, they think, oh well, I can't be bothered fixing that. I'll go and buy a new one. And, and that happens with you know domestic appliances. A washing machine can sometimes be seen as disposable but uh, they're, they're huge they're heavy they take a load of uh, energy to create and it's often so much more cost effective if you've got the right person to come along and put them right exactly um, it is getting more and more as the days go on uh, to the point where things are becoming more disposable but that's just technology advancing uh, but the things are always repairable if you're prepared to take the time to do it. A lot is dependent upon the customer as to whether they feel that that's worthwhile. But now with the closure of Goulds, I am actually now in a better position because rather than referring back to Goulds, I can just sell them a new appliance myself. So mm-hmm. both ends of the chain are covered. Either repair it or replace it. Yeah, so whichever is most economically viable and better for you know, the, the customer. But I mean, if, you, if you've got a washing machine you're used to, to be fair, you don't really want to change it because you know how your whites come out. You know how to deal with the colour so they don't all run together and you don't necessarily want something new because they yeah, they always build the latest thing in, in washing machines sometimes it's a bit difficult to see what you're going to get other than a machine that washes clothes I'm sure there are advances I know with your salesman's hat on you'll be able to tell us about yeah, other, other stuff that comes through and working uh, alongside partners like Euronics so you know, you've got a massive range out there but if you're used to it and it's fixable fix it Absolutely. Uh, there are a few companies out there whose names I shan't mention, but uh, some of them have got purple-fronted shops. And they sell you what they want to sell you, which is the best deal for them at the time. They're not really that interested in customer service. What I've always been about, and what I've always done with Goulds, who are a family business, is to look after what the customer wants. If they want it repairing, we try our best to repair it at the right price. If they feel that it's not worth doing, then we can replace it. But we'll replace it with what they want, or something that's going to be best for them, rather than the one that turns the greatest profit. And so with the you know, one and a half decades working alongside these machines, you know what actually does work out there and, what, and what, what's going to do a good job for them too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some developments in technology that people like and but it's this a fancy the, feature. But yeah, but things that reduce the amount of water they use, that allow you to wash at a lower temperature, those are the sort of advancements that we've had and, and they're worth selling for. 
Uh, yeah, sort of, but uh, some of the advancements are really only down to legislation and, mm -hmm. and the country being forced into doing things. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest problems I come across at the moment is people saying that their washing machine smells, mm -hmm. and that's because it's we don't be a boiler washing anymore. Yeah, it's exactly. all those, yeah, and it, it, is, it is useful to do with the occasional uh, yeah, boil wash, as it were, which will probably only go as far as sixty degrees C sometimes these days. But try and get it up to ninety if you can, because that will then clear the machine out. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, this is one thing I advise people right from brand new when they purchase a washing machine put it on the 90 wash once a month don't wash any clothes just let it go through the 90 wash and it'll clean mm. itself yep. and then all the excesses of the powders that you're using at 30 degrees which don't get used are then flushed away and the machine doesn't smell so bad and the rubber door seal lasts a bit longer mm -hmm. and, and but you're still using less energy by doing that once a month than you would be boil washing or uh, uh, washing at 60 degrees C every day of the week yeah, I mean, without boring people on this subject, a lot is down to the fabric that we use these days. We mm -hmm. buy cheap garments that don't last. If you wash them over 30 degrees, they disintegrate mm -hmm. and they're ruined. Uh, you can't tumble dry stuff these days because it'll just fall apart. So we're forced somehow into doing this low temperature washing and, and delicate tumble drying just to protect our garments but it doesn't protect the washing machine. So what you save buying your pound T-shirt from another company that I won't name, <laughs> you're going to lose by buying, paying three, £400 for a new washing machine every three years. Gone are the days of a washing machine lasting 20 or 30 years. It just doesn't happen unless you're buying something like a Miele, which is eight or £900 to purchase. Mm -hmm. Things don't last. They're not meant to last. These companies don't want it to last. And they want to sell you the, the next exactly, latest one, but with, but with an interesting flap at the front that you can put the finisher oh, go along. Yeah, yeah. But that's, we won't, we that's won't, another subject altogether. We, we won't go there. Yes, I don't, I'm not impressed with that, to be honest, either, but there we go. Right, I think we should talk about uh, reaction goalkeeper coaching now, uh, because uh, with the amount of stuff that you've got going on, I mean, you're working across the region as far north as Stafford and down through our area, uh, bringing the skills of a vitally important member of the footballing team to life. Yes, the goalkeeper, much maligned, uh, not very often coached at grassroots level. And this is something you've been doing for a fair few years now. Uh, yeah, I would say probably 12 years now since I started coaching my own son, who showed some signs of being a good goalkeeper and went on to do various academy uh, teams. Mm -hmm. But then uh, along the way, it developed into a business, and I now coach four nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And that's at four separate venues. Yeah, including Bilston and Wolverhampton. You've got Stafford as well? Yes, and one over at uh, a place called Fives in uh, Hensford, near mm -hmm. Canick. So uh, lots going on. And I mean, what sort of uh, approach do you take to this? Because I know you've worked with the England internationals on stuff as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I, I would love to say that I've coached in, uh, England internationals, but uh, it's only really uh, a case of collaboration more with, with the bigger guys mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and ladies. But yeah, we, we've got uh, many people who have come along and watched what we do and got involved. Jack Butland's made some uh, appearances. A young lady called uh, Izzy Foster was with us for the starters, and then she went off to America on a scholarship. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean Rogers, who's currently one of the top lady goalkeepers in the country, is uh, heavily involved with us. And we do try and bring in, you know, nice, famous faces now and again to encourage the kids. And they love getting involved in all that. And it, it's great for the, the whole footballing community to actually pick up on, on what goalkeepers do and, and really uh, push that skill set forward. And it, rather than just being somebody who stands at the back, actually, it is, yeah, it's an important part of the whole scheme. And you know, big clubs have goalkeeper coaches. Yeah, in my opinion, the goalkeeper is probably the uh, the most important player on the pitch. Uh, he wins matches without people realising, mm -hmm. and the goalkeeper is always the one who tends to get the blame at grassroots level. A goal goes in, everybody blames the goalkeeper. They don't tend to mention the fact that if that team's lost 3-0, it's the nil that's the problem. Yeah. If they've not scored at the other end, the three is irrelevant. They could have lost 1-0, they could have lost 10-0, it's still nil. Mm-hmm. 
So the goalkeeper then, in my opinion, is the is the most important player. Uh, but he's the one generally across the board that doesn't receive any coaching. Uh, not to knock any of these grassroots teams, they generally haven't got time. And they certainly don't want to have 10 players or 12 or 13 players standing around while they coach one player. Mm-hmm. And they they just don't have the staff or the time to be able to do that. So we do fill that niche by, by being able to give professional coaching to that one player who doesn't normally get any coaching. So how do people get in touch if they want to find out more about this? Because it's got your own website and everything. For this, Absolutely. The best thing for people to do initially is to go to www.reactionsgk.com. And they can see literally everything that they need to see. We've got a YouTube channel with videos with Jack Butland and all the other people I've mentioned. There's uh, tips and help and they can get gloves. Anything that they need to do with goalkeeping, even if it's just a little bit of advice, can be got there. But it also has a venue page. So same address, forward mm-hmm. slash venues, or just click on the tab. And they can look at all the different venues that we've got. They can find out what time it starts, what the postcode is, how to get there. There's maps and everything. And we completely... Uh, offer our services free of charge for any person coming for a first visit so the child and the parent come along give it a try out if they like it and they find that they're enjoying it and the parent thinks it's going to be of benefit to them as a goalkeeper then we can give them the forms in terms of joining if they want to come regularly and if they don't like it or if they feel it's not going to benefit them then it's going to cost them a penny yeah no just walk away and that's it so check all that one out the web address again is www.reactionsgk.com and then we have to talk about your literary work next, so we'll do that yes. in a short while's time, if that's okay then. Yes. Been to a mountain, thought I saw an angel, she smiled and pointed to the top. Said it never rains there, then she was gone, blown away like my mind. I heard her singing in a tumble-down voice Like a waterfall fall Finding out its course Singing songs of freedom Dancing on the rocks Songs of life Playing like a young woman played She would chase an after rain Just like the blessing heaven gave And if now, if now was dark Then tomorrow will be a brand new day
mountain should fall to the sea It wouldn't change a thing that I believe Cause I was there And I saw them raised, raised up to the sky Eddie Johnson still with me in the studio. In fact, E.C. Johnson, as it says on the book, because this is the, uh, the the third string to the bow that we're talking about. There's more to, more to you than this, isn't there? Which is the scary part. There's so much stuff going on, but uh, uh, a literary escapade as well now. And this has been something you've been working on for the last decade. Yes, I've had things going around my head for 10 or 12 years and didn't really know what to do with it. I kept having the same thoughts all the time over a period of time and I thought, well, okay, let's put it down on paper and see what happens. So uh, after after 10 years of procrastination, I spent the last 12 months at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning scribbling and typing <laughs> and this is what I've come up with. Well, Breaking the Tranquility of Solitude is self-published at the moment and this all builds up to you being able to then share this, maybe looking at a, a literary agent later and seeing where you go from here. But, I mean, this in itself, uh, I note that the, uh, the, 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 the main protagonist uh, shares your name. He does, and there are a lot of characteristics of that character that are mine, mm-hmm. but there are a lot that aren't, so people take out of it what they want. Uh, anybody who knows me will know the bits that are true and the bits that are fantasy, uh, but those who don't know me, obviously, they can decide upon which bits they feel are real and not. But let me say, this has come from uh, interesting moments in your mind overnight. We're looking at the year 2036. Do you think this may not just be a bit of a flash forward to what's going to happen to you in the future? Well, possibly. Yeah, I doubt very much if I'm going to go back to school and get a doctorate in uh, physics. It's but, it could uh, happen. You never know. <laughs> yeah, anything can happen. So uh, t- tell us a-, a bit about how the, the story began, because it's also got a-, a romantic line to it as well. Yeah, um, in brief, over the 10 years, I've had uh, an album in my head playing over and over and over from my favourite band, which I won't name because they're not named in the book, mm-hmm. but anybody who knows this band will pick out little uh, sort of lyrics and... Uh, I don't know what the word would be. I don't want to say plagiarism, otherwise I'm going to get in trouble. But, um, <laughs> little snippets that yeah, they pay tribute to. Homages, them. Yeah, yeah little homages to various tracks in this album and the actual band themselves. They're, they're, not, they're not named specifically, they're referenced a few times, and those who know will know, and those who don't. It won't really affect the story in any way. But uh, yeah, these songs are playing around in my head, and I think they were sort of creating images. So I'd be waking up in the night with either a horrific image of, of one of the songs or mm-hmm. an erotic image of another song and stuff like that. Uh, and I didn't know what to do with it. And it was always the same. Every single time it happened, it was always the same. So when these tracks were playing in my head, each one individually would always have the same outcome. And they have what's become eight of the 13 chapters. 
So, so there's eight songs on the album, uh-huh. or nine, I think it was actually on one of the albums. But, um, and those those are the chapters. And that's that's how this has sort of become structured. But uh, telling a story is very different to the other things that you, you do. So how did you sit down? Have you worked with someone to edit this? Uh, is it a family got involved? I mean, what's the reaction been? Uh, n- not really, no. I've done most of it myself. I, I obviously reference a couple of people, uh, relatives. I mean, my, my own partner has done a lot of reading and boring herself silly, reading <laughs> through it and trying to find the grammatical mistakes. I've created 100 copies of it and given some of them away and tried to sell a few of the others just to cover the printing costs, just so that people can get uh, a feel for what it's about. And if the community starts talking about it, you never know, it might encourage somebody to start looking at it. Mm-hmm. But in the literary world, you have to have an agent. You won't get a book deal or, or anything else without one. And that's the biggest problem I've got is that I need to find a literary agent and a good one, obviously, so mm-hmm. that they can promote it and take it forwards, and that's not an easy thing to do. And that's what I'm saying. That's why having it on paper, uh, you know, is is helpful. You can actually just pop it in the post and pick it up. I mean, is it a Kindle edition something you're looking to to at some point? Uh, not at the moment, no. Although it might be a, a little bit sort of counterproductive, I tend to feel that uh, self-publication and and all that goes with it on online is only going to dilute the eventual product. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't come about and it doesn't ever get published by a big publishing house and then sold across the world, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Those hundred people who've got a copy, they can say, well, I've got one. Yeah. Um, but I suppose a little bit of ego as well. I want other people to think it's good. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I self-publish, that's only me really saying it's good. Uh, so you've got a copy and uh, mm-hmm. maybe in a couple of weeks' time you might get back to me about it. Yeah, I, I will be giving it a read. And uh, so it is nice to actually have something in there. That, and it's quite a weighty tome as well. We're talking a few hundred pages here, aren't we? You know, 392 pages. And that is, I mean, in itself, it's a lot of work. And, 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 and creating a book and putting something down on paper, it's it's a lot to commit to. It's, it's taken over a decade to get to this point. But, I mean, the, the final writing process itself, uh, was that a case of then sort of sitting down and thinking, I've got to do this now? It was a case of if you don't do it, you won't do it. Mm-hmm. And as in the, the foreword that's uh, sort of celebrity written for me, mm-hmm. it, it mentions the fact that so many people, not everybody, but so many people say, oh, I'm going to write a book. I've got so many ideas, I'm going to write a book. But then never actually do anything. Yeah. Now, quite possibly their stories would be amazing, but they just don't find the time or haven't got the inclination or just feel that they haven't got the skills to do it. And I think anybody can do it. It's not that I'm any better than anybody else at writing a story. It's mm-hmm. just taking the time to do it. Well, in between fixing washing machines and coaching kids football, at you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, I'll be tapping away, trying to get this down and trying to make it sound like some sort of coherent story. But coherent is nothing, uh, if, if not a convoluted term. Because the story is fantasy, so there's a lots of twists and turns, and but hopefully keep you interested. Gives you a bit to play with, though. You can go anywhere you want to, and the washing machines don't feature. No, which is I think. Well, <laughs> I say no. I say no. The character does have a background of being a domestic appliance repair agent, okay. which was just convenient because it gave him a bit of a backstory. He's also a goalkeeper coach, strangely enough. Yeah, so that uh, that all works. But it is me, but it's not me. Yeah, uh, but it, is is it the you you want to be, or is it a you that you think could be happening in a parallel universe somewhere? Uh, well, if you get to a certain chapter it's a me that wouldn't want that to have to happen to me uh but on another chapter it's me that would love to be me yeah so i don't I, it's very difficult for me to be able to uh, tell you too much more without that, it, I'm not, it, I'm not telling you the plot but okay yeah there is a love interest there's a horror aspect there's some uh fighting some action some violence uh, the, the 
the, the book is in itself, I would say, a science fiction. That's how I'd have to uh, put it into its little slot. Mm-hmm. But as with the foreword, it is uh, that it's mentioned that it sort of defies genre. Um, and that's that to me is is one of the selling points because I'm not going to have to stick to any particular audience who may or may not like science fiction. Mm-hmm. Somebody who likes a love story might find an aspect to it. Somebody who likes adult erotica might find an interest to it. Mm-hmm. Somebody who likes violence and crime thrillers might find a bit of interest in there. So there's there's something for everybody. Yeah, and music, and the whole thing is born out of the music that's going round my head, and that's what's created the stories. In effect, it, uh, of as mentioned earlier, of the thirteen chapters, eight of them are based around songs. Mm-hmm. So without me telling you what the band is, when you read it, you may notice that the chapter is completely nothing to do with the next chapter, but. It links together because there is an ongoing story throughout, which it's is carried by myself and, and the other characters. All part of the theme. It uh, sounds fantastic. I'm looking forward to reading that. That's going to be uh, really good. If people want to get in touch with you for all the reasons, give us all the details. How do people find you? Uh, the best way for me, people to contact me is just simply by phoning my mobile phone number, which is 07973. 618169 I normally answer it pretty much all the time mm-hmm. there is an answer phone if I don't answer it just leave me a message and I can always come back to them and that will be the same for the coaching the washing machine repairs or anything to do with the book any literary agents out there who want to get oh, in touch if a literary agent is listening to this and they want the uh, the next uh, Game of Thrones or whatever <laughs> it might be uh, possibly Fifty Shades or something <laughs> like that, then uh, give me a call because uh, I'd like to think that there is a bit more mileage in it than just me producing 100 copies and hoping for the best. There's at least a miniseries in there, which well, should be rather you good. you never know. Eddie Johnson, thank you for joining us once again. That phone number 07973 Have a chat with a man with your washing machine's broke, your kid needs to learn how to be a goalkeeper, or you'll fancy a good read. That's the way to do it. Eddie, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 480 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.